Hi friends, today we are talking about some approaches we might take if we have a piece that we want to extend for a concert setting. My name is Victoria Bowler and this is episode 53 of Elemental Conversations. This topic came from a colleague inside the planning binder and they said, I am working on planning a recorder concert. My district requires that fourth graders have a final performance, which I am super excited about. I just don't really know where to start when planning. Recorder tunes are so short and I am not sure how to plan an engaging show full of that. All right, if you have ever put on a presentation at the elementary level, not with something like a J.W. Pepper score, like for a choir arrangement, or not something like an elementary band concert, but if you have ever put on a production of just folk material, this is probably something that you have run into as well. This idea of a folk song being, you know, 15 seconds long, tops (laughs) and then trying to step back from that 15 second piece and think about how you can make that 15 seconds last for a 45 minute production. (laughs) All of a sudden we realize we have a lot of time to fill and all of the magical work that takes place in our classrooms for students to do that 15 second recorder piece. That is a huge accomplishment to us. But in the scheme of a concert length, in the scheme of a program, that 15 seconds is not going to last very long at all. One of my first teaching gigs was the, uh, I was a choir director for a children's choir through my university and my undergrad. And that was such a wonderful experience in so many ways. And one of them was uh, because of the age group of this choir, I knew that uh, shorter, more folk inspired pieces with games and movements and, and all of that stuff that would be more pedagogically appropriate for this age group. But at the end of the semester, when I had to put on a presentation, when I had to put a, on a concert, I was kind of stuck in this same position as well. Um, I know that this is a, a question about recorder, but in this choir setting for these younger students, um, I ended up working on, you know, the very best solution that I could come up with at the time. And so we put on this, uh, concert and I was really proud of the students. I was really proud of myself. Like I said, this was one of my first, um, as far as an ensemble, this was one of my very first gigs. And at the end of the concert, my boyfriend at the time, my husband now was in the audience and I was like, what did you think? And he was like, yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, lots of, you know, I, he could hear, you know, all the stuff that we'd been working on. And then he was like, it was actually though, um, a lot of applause for the audience. And he was right <laughs> because every uh, 15 seconds, the song was over and I would turn around and be like, let's all clap for this children's choir. And then I would turn around, we have another 15 second song and then more applause from the audience. And so when I went back and watched the video, it was like the applause from the audience was taking as much time as the actual pieces the students were presenting. So I share that just to say, uh, if you've had this thought in the back of your head, like, oh gosh, these 15 seconds are not going to fill up much concert time. Um, I I am here to say you are correct. (laughs) I have done the 15 second concert uh, segments and um, definitely a lot of applause from the audience. And that was nice because it also took up time, right? You think about that from a time perspective, those 15 seconds were like tacking on another half of the song. So uh, I share that to say, uh, if you have done this, you are not 
alone. The other reason I share this is uh, what we'll talk about today as far as some options for extending pieces. Definitely this will apply to a recorder setting with fourth and fifth grade or so, uh, but it will also apply if you are trying to put on a production at the elementary level, regardless of the medium. Now, at the time that we are having this conversation, it is, you know, the beginning of May, and it might be a little bit late for us to completely revamp a program to implement every single one of these ideas. If that's the case, no problem. This is also the time for us to make some notes in a journal or in a Google Doc or something like that about how we feel at this moment in concert season so that as we are planning for next year, we can use some of the data that we are gathering in that journal or in that Google Doc or whatever it is uh, to help better prepare us for next year. So that as we are planning our concerts for the 2022-2023 school year, if there are any of these ideas that we want to remember to include in those final performances, now is a great time to write those notes to ourselves so that we have it in the future. Future us will thank current us for those notes. All right, let's jump into some of these different options that we have for extending a piece for concert performance. We are going to talk about student creativity. We are going to talk about playing with the form of the piece. We will talk about using a different variety of media, and we will talk about using student perspectives. All of these things are strategies that we can use to take one very short piece, a 15 second piece, and make it 30 seconds or perhaps a minute or maybe like we'll talk about today, uh, maybe even a minute and a half or so. Let's jump into this first category of student creativity, of creative choice. This is one of the, the favorite places for me to start because if we are going to take a piece and extend it, let's say we're going to take for, for just the sake of this podcast, let's take Hot Cross Buns, uh, the tried and true recorder classic, or as my sister teaches it, pigs like cheese. If we are going to take pigs like cheese, hot crust buns, and find a way to extend it, our options are to repeat that same material over and over and over and over and over and over and over, or we are going to need to find a different set of musical material to use. If we don't want to just repeat the same song over and over and over, we're going to need to have some new musical material to add into the song. One of the greatest ways to find new material is to outsource it to the students. Ask students themselves to come up with the music for the concert. Let's talk about some ways to do this. The first one is just improvisation. So an option is for us to play uh, hot cross buns, play pigs like cheese one time through, and then you have 16 beats where students take turns soloing. When I say improvise on stage with a recorder as a solo, I do not mean anything crazy. Here is an example of what that might sound like. Here's another example of that same idea, just improvisation for 16 beats.
One thing to point out here is that even though this was 16 beats of improvisation, did you notice that both of those uh, examples end with hot cross buns at the very end? In this case, B-A-G. And that's one nice way, if you are looking for a way to structure improvisation, is to have some components of the structure of the improvisation that are the same through every student different iteration. So for students who are going to pick up the recorder and you say improvise and they give you this, right? <laughs> um, having something that can ground the improvisation in a sense of pulse, like having that bookend at the end, B-A-G, hot cross buns, that can be a really helpful structure. Another helpful structure for improvisation is uh, to keep the rhythm of the song the same and have students create their own melody. So instead of improvising a different rhythm and a different melody, they're going to keep the rhythm the same and they just improvise a new order of pitches. Here's what that might sound like. Here's another example of that same idea, um, keeping the rhythm the same, but just improvising a different order of pitches. And again here, notice that we are still ending this improvisation with B-A-G, hot cross buns. So those last four beats are going to be the same for every rendition of this improvisation. Now, I'm using the word improvisation, and uh, when we talk about improvisation, we mean that the musical thinking, the musical invention, the musical creation in our minds is happening at the same time as the musical output in our fingers. There's not a distance from the time we think an idea and the time we perform the idea. That's one of the characteristics of improvisation. That is what improvisation is. If that seems a little bit too squirrely for you, if you're like, oh gosh, Victoria, asking a fourth grader to improvise on stage, uh, that is going to be a bad news bears situation for me. No problem. I totally understand. <laughs> um, a way to keep this same idea, but make it a little bit more safe for a performance would be to, instead of asking students to improvise, ask them to arrange the music and then they can read their notation on stage. In an arrangement, we have some distance between the musical idea and the musical output. There is some space between me thinking up an idea in my head and me uh, performing the idea on recorder. So go with me on this. If you want to use this arranging idea, if you want to use student creativity as a way to add new material and extend a piece... A nice way to do this is with a partner, these fourth graders would come up with their own version of the melody. You keep the rhythm the same, you change the order of pitches, and then students can write down their arrangement either with letter names or with graphic notation or on solfege or on the five-line Western staff.
And then after you've decided who is going to share their arrangement on stage at the performance, the rest of the student work samples, can you see a world where you hang those or rather get a parent volunteer to hang those on the walls of the cafeteria, of the NPR, of the library, wherever it is you're doing this performance? Can you see a world where as parents walk in to hear the student work samples at the performance, they can also see see the student work samples on the walls as they are walking into the concert space. This becomes just one more way that we can showcase student learning at this performance. And it also makes for a very nice avenue to advocacy for our programs. If we can show many different examples of student learning. Okay. So with that aside, our first options for extending a piece, adding new material is having students generate that material through either just open improvisation for 16 beats or improvisation of a melody, keeping the rhythm the same or an arrangement of the melody while keeping the rhythm the same. Okay, we could stop here. This is enough of a, a strategy to fill up an entire program of new material. If we want to extend a piece from 15 seconds to 45 seconds or so, and we need new material, one of the easiest things to do and one of the most pedagogically appropriate things to do and one of the most exciting things to do from an advocacy standpoint is just to have students come up with the new material on their own. Now, we have this idea of using improvisation or arranging to create new sections. But now that we have all of these sections that are, you know, potentially up for grabs in a concert setting, how do we put that together? Let's talk about that. The next section I want to jump into is form and texture. One of the easiest ways to add more interest to a piece is to add an ostinato, or if we layer on several ostinati together, depending on your part work uh, skill level of your ensemble, that can be another really great way to extend a piece. And if you're saying, Victoria, an ostinato doesn't extend a piece, it just adds another element of texture. Yes, you are absolutely right. <laughs> but because it gives us new musical material to work with, we can layer in or we can section off those ostinato patterns. Here's an example of what it might sound like if we were to take three ostinati and put them on body percussion and then layer them in before we actually play hot cross buns. Here's what that would sound like. You'll hear the first ostinato come in for eight beats and then you'll hear the second ostinato layer on top of that and then eight beats later you'll hear the third ostinato and then the melody will come in afterwards.
Okay, for this, we definitely want to keep the main thing the main thing. And in this case, that main thing is recorder. So we don't want to have so many ostinati and so many extra um, bells and whistles that we lose sight of the purpose of the program. In this case, recorder performance. So I would not have, you know, the entire class playing ostinati and have one person on melody, right? Instead, I do think it would be appropriate, depending on the size of your ensemble, to have one or two students per ostinato. And then those students in that small group, they are the ones in charge of maintaining that ostinato through the whole piece. Now, let's say that you don't want to have the ostinato patterns extended through the entire piece like they were in this last example. What if instead we were to section this off and have something like rondo form? Do you remember we have all of these examples of uh, student improvisation or student arrangements that we were talking about in the first section of student creativity? One of the easiest ways to incorporate different sections of a piece is to just do it in rondo form. So if you're not familiar, rondo form is we have this one big musical idea. And then the next section is something different. And then we go back to this one big musical idea. And then we do something different. Then we're back to the main thing. That main thing we call the A section. And then the different um, different sections that sound different from the A section, those are the B, C, D, E, F, you know, and on and on and on. But it's a pattern of same, different, same, different, same, different, same, different. Using rondo form lets us use a lot of different musical material, but it grounds us in, in this case, the hot cross buns melody over and over and over again. So no one is lost. We're always coming back to this musical theme. And since we are using this as a way to showcase student arrangements, one of the other nice things about rondo form is that everyone just has to learn hot cross buns. And then if it's your turn to play your arrangement, then you or you and your partner play your arrangement just as a duo or just as a solo. And then everyone plays hot cross buns again. So in terms of the, um, the load of music that students need to memorize or learn, it is very, very low. It's just the main song. And then if you are one of the people sharing your arrangement, then you do the arrangement that you have already created, right? And so it's a nice way to to extend a piece in an easy way because either it's the main section that everyone already knows or it's the different sections that students have already created in their own minds. If we want to put this together uh, with the ostinati idea, here is what that might sound like. You will hear in this, you're going to hear hot cross buns with the layered ostinati, and then you'll hear an arrangement of the melody. Um, and instead of having all of the ostinato patterns just cut out completely, you could have those ostinati continue through the whole song. That's definitely an option, uh, but it can get a little bit monotonous. So my recommendation is to use one ostinato pattern through the entire thing and then uh, in this case the other two ostinato patterns that aren't used in the contrasting sections those are always going to come and play with the main melody okay it's easier to hear than to listen to me explain it so uh, this is hot cross buns in a rondo form and the b sections the contrasting sections are uh, the different student arrangements
So like we've talked about with Rondo form, that is very convenient because students don't need to learn every portion of the piece. They're kind of just responsible for uh, the section that they are performing and then they're done. If you wanted to do this in uh, not a solo format, so like not um, solos as the contrasting sections, and if you wanted the entire thing to be an ensemble piece, I would not necessarily recommend rondo form. It definitely just depends on how much time you have to prepare a piece, right? Um, but instead of rondo form, you can do A, B, A. So A, everybody plays hot cross buns. B, everyone plays the arrangement that you have decided on. And then A, everyone plays hot cross buns again. And if you want to make it even more simple than that, you can take away the student improvisation or the arrangement um, and just do the A section and then the ostinati as an interlude and then the A section again. So no extra melodic material, just hot cross buns. But in between playing that melody, we will have an interlude of the ostinati. And then if you want to extend that further, you can have an introduction of those ostinato patterns layering in. Here's what that would sound like. We'll have an introduction, then we have the A section, then we have an interlude of just the ostinati, and then the A section again. So you can see that when we combine the musical material of a main song, in this case, Hot Cross Buns, when we combine that with student improvisations or arrangements, okay, that gives us, we have doubled the amount of musical material that we have. Um, and we have extended our piece for sure, just with these two options. And then we add something like an ostinato. All of a sudden we have three elements of these musical um, pieces to work with. And then it's just a matter of how we want to combine them. So we've talked about using student creativity as a mechanism to extend a piece. We have talked about form and texture as mechanisms to extend a piece. And what we touched on there is this next point of media. So let's talk about that. This goes back to the idea of keeping the main thing the main thing. And in this situation, we don't want to move too far uh, away from recorder because for this example, that is the whole purpose of the concert, right? But one of the ways that we can add more interest and more options for extending the piece is to add different media. 
We've talked about using a body percussion ostinato. That is very convenient because it doesn't require any extra um, stuff to drag on stage. And that is always a plus for me. <laughs> the other nice thing about using body percussion is that students can take their recorder and stick it under their arm. They could put it in their pocket. Um, if they have some sort of lanyard or a way to um, put the recorder around their neck, then that is fine. And they can also just set it on the ground in front of them. And then, you know, your instrument is your body. So that doesn't take up um, any extra prep or any extra things to kind of think through as far as setting up the stage. Along those same lines, our voice is an instrument that we have with us all the time. So that gives us another uh, medium that we can use to extend a piece. So that could be something like uh, singing a counter melody, or if we do, you know, back to the ABA section, what if we are playing the piece on recorder and then we sing it and then we play it again? Something like that with uh, body percussion or the voice, that is such a convenient way to extend a piece. Again, because the prep time for us is so minimal. And if you are using something like recorder karate, or if perhaps you are formulating your own curriculum that incorporates recorder, it is more than likely that the pieces you are playing have text that go along with them anyway. So this is an easy thing to kind of drag and drop to extend a piece. Just have students sing it and then play it. And you can alternate back and forth, sing, play, sing, play, or whatever it is, the, the form that you want to do. Now, if we want to get into uh, bringing instruments on stage or bringing instruments to the cafeteria or whatever it is, that opens up a lot of possibilities as well. Another very easy way to add more interest to a piece is to add a bordoon. So if you have, let's say, one bass xylophone that can play an interlude or that can play an intro or an outro or something like that, um, that number one fills out the ensemble from just a sound perspective, right? That's thinking about music um, as a big vertical piece, but adding the Bordoon as an intro or an interlude or an outro, that also extends it from a horizontal perspective as well. So we have body percussion, we have the voice, and then we have pitched percussion like barred instruments. And I would also add in ukulele. If that is a part of your student curriculum as well, then that is a nice thing to use because most of these pieces that we are playing on recorder are not going to have a lot of chord changes. Um, and it, especially like in the case of hot cross buns, right? That can just be a G chord the whole time. So if you have a student or two who can play a uh, just the tonic chord, or in some cases for these songs, it might be a tonic dominant situation. Um, if you have just a few ukuleles there to round out the ensemble and extend the piece, that can be very convenient as well. So that's pitched percussion or pitched instruments, rather, if we're going to add in ukulele as an option. If we want to add in unpitched percussion, a very easy transfer is instead of using the body percussion idea for the ostinato, you can use unpitched percussion instead. So what I mean by that is instead of playing the ostinato on body percussion, students would be playing it on unpitched percussion. Um, tubanos, uh, djembes, congas, whatever you have available in your classroom. 
The last piece of the puzzle that we can use to extend a piece, we've talked about using student creativity, we have talked about using form and texture, we have talked about using different media in those forms and textures. Uh, the last piece is actually not a musical mechanism at all, it is using student perspectives. This is something like a script that students read to introduce a piece or introduce an ensemble or introduce the whole program itself. I like doing this, uh, number one, because it means that I don't have to talk. Um, I do want students to, I, I do want the audience to have some sort of context for what they're about to hear. But if I can have a student say it instead of me, that is all the better. So in these student perspective scripts to introduce the piece or the program or whatever it is, uh, I definitely recommend having things that the audience should listen for. Because from our music teacher brains, when we listen to students doing hot cross buns in rondo form and improvise the differing sections, that is huge. That is um, such an accomplishment and something that we should be proud of. But from the parent perspective or from the adult perspective in the audience, they sit back and they listen. And if they don't know that it's an improvisation, they might say, oh no, that poor child up there is absolutely butchering her solo of hot cross buns. This sounds nothing like hot cross buns, right? <laughs> and so parents and adults just need to be aware that students have created this version of the music, it will not sound like hot cross buns. It will sound like hot cross buns-ish. And so that's a nice time, again, going back to this advocacy opportunity, that's a nice time to teach parents of what it means to imitate music and what it means to create music. That's time to introduce this word improvisation or introduce the concept of arranging. This can um, absolutely serve as an opportunity to educate parents about musical vocabulary and musical processes. So that's an option for putting together these student scripts. You can tell the adults in the room what to listen for, and you can use it as an opportunity to develop musical vocabulary in the adults in the room, in the, um, in the parents and the aunts and uncles, in the other staff members that might be there, um, school board members or your principal or whatever it is. This can be an education opportunity for what to listen for when you listen to hot cross buns. Okay, that's an option. Another avenue that you might take for a student perspective script is uh, sharing the behind the scenes education piece of playing hot cross buns on recorder. So this would be something like having two fourth grade students up at the front of the stage and they are going to share what it took for them to be able to play hot cross buns. So this might be uh, them standing at the front and saying, hey, you're about to hear hot cross buns. This song uses a B and an A and a G. Here's the fingering for a B and here's what it sounds like. Here's the fingering for an A. Here's what it sounds like. Here's the fingering for a G. Here's what it sounds like. Uh, and then they might even go further and say, this is how we get a really shrill, sharp, squeaky tone on our recorder. And they show that. And then they say, here's how we use our air differently to create a warm tone on the recorder. And they show the difference between those two tones. 
You can also have them demonstrate things like articulation, whatever it is that you are working on in class. Having a student perspective script is a really nice way to extend the runtime of the performance, even though it's not extending the runtime of the piece itself. And then again, just to reiterate, this gives the audience something to hold on to. It informs the audience about all of the cool things that are going on on stage. Because again, in our music teacher brains, we know what's going on. But if you are just an adult in the audience, you might not understand the magic of playing B-A-G and not squeaking, right? You might not get how big of a deal that is. So this is our opportunity to uh, let parents in, let the adults in the room in on the process of the musical learning experience. Another avenue that you might take for these student perspective scripts would be to talk about the music notation that they are reading. And perhaps this is something that you can project on uh, the screen behind you, or maybe um, if you are in a low tech situation, this is just students holding up their notation that they're using and explaining to the adults in the room what it's like for them to read the notation for a recorder. So all of these ideas, having the scripts for listen to this or having the scripts about the mechanics of the instrument or having the script about music notation, maybe some music theory going in there, all of that uh, goes under the umbrella of musicianship, right? You could also have a student perspective script that ties into something like an SEL competency, or if you have any theme words in your school, like um, any character development uh, words that you are being asked to use in your teaching, this could be a time to talk about something like perseverance, or it might be a time to talk about uh, working together as an ensemble or, um, you know, listening to your peers and working through the process of creating your own arrangements by working together with your small group, with your partner. So the student scripts could definitely have to do with the musical material, but they could also have to do with the uh, other musical skills that we are using as musicians that actually don't have anything to do with the mechanics of music at all. It's stuff like perseverance, it's character development, it is learning how to listen, it is learning how to create in a group, right? So there are many avenues that we might take for these student perspective scripts. One last note here about the student perspective scripts when it comes to actually implementing these ideas. There are a million and one ways that you could go about having students uh, create their scripts to read for this presentation. There are two different ways that I've done this with a lot of success. So if you do not have kind of a procedure in place for a script like this, and you are looking for a way to facilitate having students come up with their own perspective scripts, here are two things that you can try. You can try on both of these hats in your mind and decide, you know, this is one that I have time for this year, and this is one that I will save for next year, right? One way is to do this as a whole class, and then the other way is to have students write their own reflections on their own. Let's talk about this whole class discussion. For this, it's going to end up being more structured uh, than the individual student writing samples would be. And that's just because you are trying to lead a class of you know, 25 fourth graders to come up with one document altogether. 
So instead of just getting in front of fourth grade and saying, hey, what do you think our script should be for hot cross buns, right? <laughs> instead of that, you are going to guide their thinking. If it, And that will depend on which avenue of these student perspective scripts you want to take. But let's imagine that you're taking the uh, musical mechanism script avenue. You would get in front of fourth grade and you would say something like, for this recorder concert, we will be in front of our adults and they do not play the recorder, but you do. You are a fourth grader who knows how to play hot cross buns and you're going to be playing it for people who do not know how to play hot cross buns. So if you were to teach them about how to play hot cross buns, if they had never held a recorder before, what would you tell them to do? What are some things that an adult should know about how to play hot cross buns? And at that point, you might have students think three things in their heads and then turn to a partner and share their three things, come up with a collective three things between them and their partner, and then share out as a class. And that's the time that you would write down the things on the board. And then from there, that list of... Um, that list of things that adults should know about hot cross buns, that becomes the outline for the script that you as the teacher, you write it out based on the student material that they have given you. And then you just assign someone to uh, speak that script before hot cross buns. Another option is instead of having a whole class discussion, you can have students either by themselves or with a partner answer a prompt on the board and then take a few minutes to write down their answer. For this, if you have a length in mind, like five sentences or, you know, half a page or something like that, this is something that you're going to want to think through before you ask students to start writing. If there is something specific that you want them to remember to do, like to write in complete sentences or to have a specific length of the script, that's, uh, those are parameters to set ahead of time. And then from there, you just choose one of the scripts and ask a student to read it before the uh, hot cross buns presentation. The other thing about these scripts is that because they are going to be on the shorter side, right? Because students are not going to write two pages of their love for hot cross buns. Because these are going to be on the shorter side, you can choose more than one student to introduce the piece. Especially if um, you notice that, you know, two different students have two different perspectives that are very informative for the audience. You can have both students read their scripts before the piece. And that also saves you some pressure from trying to go through student scripts and looking for the one magical introduction to hot cross buns, right? You can pull several different student perspectives to create the context for what the adults in the audience are about to hear. The last thing that I will say about student scripts is even if students are writing a reflection that they don't end up reading on stage, notice how much information we get from students by asking them about their perspective on hot cross buns. This serves as a self-assessment, as a self-reflection of learning. And for us as the teacher, it gives us insight into how students are thinking about what they are learning. So even though you are not going to use every single script that students write, every single student script is valuable for us to skim through because it gives us a lot of information about student learning. 
Okay, we have talked about several different ways to take a very short piece and extend it for a concert setting. We have talked about utilizing student creativity. We have talked about exploring things like form and texture. We have talked about expanding our media that we are using. And then we've talked about using student perspectives as a way to extend the concert itself, not necessarily the, uh, the piece of music. Before we wrap up, I have two uh, procedural logistics things when it comes to implementing something like this, this approach to extending a piece for a concert. One of them is on stage. You know, we've talked about all of these different uh, variations of the form that we might do. We could do uh, a rondo form. We could do ABA. We could do something with an introduction with ostinati layered in. All of this is going to be a lot for us to remember, and it's going to be a lot for students to remember. So in addition to having thoughtful rehearsals before the actual concert, another thing that we can do is if you have a whiteboard or if you have a piece of butcher paper or something that you can put on the floor, something where you can map out the form of each song so that students don't have to remember it. That can be a really great visual to have on hand in the concert itself so that if people are lost, they can look up at the board. Another option for the same thing is to have hand signs for the A section and then a B section and then a C section, everything like that. Um, another thing that you might recall from your jazz days is when your band director used to point to his head to mean go back to the head, it goes back to uh, the main section of the piece. That's something that you can do for students and then having a signal to stop. For me, it's just a fist in the air. Like this is the last time through, we're ending it right here. Having hand signals is a really, really wonderful thing so that students don't need to feel like they have to memorize this big sectional form of hot cross buns because they will not remember, right? The last thing, uh, the last option, we talked about having notes on a whiteboard or on the floor or on a poster or something like that. We've talked about hand signs and following the director. The last thing is if your students are reading notation on stage, like with a music stand and then printed notation, I would have them write the form of the piece at the top of the page. I did this um, when I taught orchestra and we were performing pieces from the method book, but we were extending them using these uh, strategies. Students would just write in their book itself, like this is the form of the song, this is who solos first, then this is who solos after that, and that just keeps everyone on the same page. The last logistics thing that I want to touch on before we wrap up is the process of creating the form of the song and the process for generating student scripts. This is something that is going to take more than one class period. So this is not something to do on the last class right before the concert. This is something to, uh, as we are backwards planning our year, and this is something that we've talked about in previous podcast episodes, backwards planning your year and making notes about, uh, you know, if the concert is going to be around this time of the month in this semester, then I need to back up and say we should be um, exploring opportunities for student scripts in this class. And we should be thinking about the form of the piece back way over here in this class. 
And if we can back up and give ourselves breathing room for adding all of these different student perspectives and student improvisations and all this group work and adding media and everything like that, if we can back up in our planning for the year and give ourselves breathing room, that creates a uh, much lower stress environment and it makes it more enjoyable for us. It makes it more enjoyable for the students and ultimately the product we put on stage is better for everyone. All right. As we think through opportunities for extending a piece, what we find is that we are actually extending opportunities for student learning. And as we extend the opportunities for student learning, we are also extending opportunities to educate the adults who have an impact on our music program. So we see that just by broadening our scope of a 15 second piece, there are so many beautiful and magical implications for student musicianship and for the health of our program overall. 